I really want to thank Miro, one of the most useful tools. They sponsor this podcast. They are my go-to resource when it comes to working remotely and collaborating. They're also great for an office, but let me paint a picture for you. Everyone here is working from home in some capacity. Either we have peers that work from home, maybe we're part in the office, part out. Collaboration can be chaotic. Miro is the ultimate digital whiteboard and visual collaboration platform. You could be a remote team, you could be a creative agency, you could be a solopreneur. Miro allows you to brainstorm, plan, and execute seamlessly. Picture this, you're in a virtual meeting mapping out a huge project with Miro. You can drag and drop sticky notes, sketch wireframes, organize ideas all in real time. You collaborate with your team no matter where they are. This is a game changer. If you are ready to transform your workflow, you have to try Miro today. To show you how powerful it is, I created my own Miro board that you can check out at Miro.com slash success pod. It has a ton of resources for entrepreneurs, but it will also show you all the functionality of Miro. So go to Miro.com or go to Miro.com slash success pod for a ton of resources. Try Miro today. It's going to radically change how you collaborate with your team. Welcome to Success Story, the most useful podcast in the world. I'm your host, Scott D. Clary. The Success Story podcast is part of the HubSpot Podcast Network. The HubSpot Podcast Network has other great podcasts like Marketing Made Simple, hosted by Dr. J.J. Peterson. Marketing Made Simple brings you practical tips to make your marketing easy and more importantly, make it work. Now, if any of these topics sound interesting to you, you're going to love his show, How to Write and Deliver Captivating Speeches, How to Market Yourself into a New Job, How Design Can Help and Potentially Hurt Your Revenue, and How to Create a Social Media Ad Strategy That Works. If these topics hit home and they're things that you wanna learn about, go listen to Marketing Made Simple wherever you get your podcasts. Today, you're gonna hear me live at Inbound 2022 in Boston, Massachusetts. I bring on Joseph Martin, Eric Sue, and Stormy Simon on stage where we spoke about what it takes to bring a company from zero to $100 million. What's going on, HubSpot? How's it going today? How's everybody doing? We're great. Good, 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 good. Thank you, thank you, thank you so much for sitting down. Today I brought three of my really good friends and what we, what we titled this session was Zero to 100 Million. And I'm gonna walk through all these incredible people and what they've done, but what I want you to take away from this, and as I, I have to back up, I got excited. My name's Scott Clary. I host Success Story. I host a podcast, obviously part of the incredible HubSpot Podcast Network, where I speak to some of the most incredible people and I unpack their life, their playbook, everything they've accomplished, the highs, the lows, the wins and the losses. Now, what I want to achieve today, the zero to 100 million, it's not just for somebody that's building something from scratch. It's to learn the lessons of all these incredible people, what they've uncovered at the various stages of their businesses. And hopefully, if you're a founder, if you're a side hustler, you can apply that to your business. But also, if you're an employee, if you're looking for where to land next, you can see what good business looks like and you can make more educated choices so that you don't end up wasting your life and your career. So I want to introduce these incredible people. So just to my left, I have Yosef Martin. Yosef was the founder of BoxyCharm. Now BoxyCharm is an online subscription beauty service. BoxyCharm made Inc's 500, uh, Inc 500 list as one of the fastest growing companies 
in the nation in 2018, 2019, and 2020. And in 2020, he sold BoxyCharm for over $500 million to Ipsy. Uh, to the left of Yosef, I have Eric Sue. Now, Eric is the founder of the ad agency Single Grain. He hosts the Marketing School and Leveling Up podcast. They have over 65 million downloads. He also invests in incredible companies like Eight Sleep, Betterment, Lime, and Synthesis. And then to the left of Eric, I have Stormy Simon. And Stormy is the founder CEO of the recently launched Mother Ruggers. Now that's a new venture in textile, but uh, previous to that, she spent 15 years of her career for the e-commerce retailer Overstock.com. She began her tenure as a temp and eventually rose to the position as president of the nearly $2 billion company in 2013. So first, before we kick this off, let's have a round of applause for these incredible guests. So I want to, I want to break down this segment into three, three tranches, zero to one million, one to 10 million, and 10 million to 100 million, and the strategies and tactics that you will deploy at each stage of a business. So I'll, I'll, pass it over, I'll pass it over to Yosef. When you're taking something from zero to one, when you're getting something off the ground, what are best practices? What do you have to think about? How do you make sure that that thing has a little bit of runway so you can take it to the next level? So my experience building my first business before BoxyCharm, getting from zero to a million, was kind of like exploratory matter where you don't really know anything. So you start learning how to code, build a website, marketing, buy products, talk to people. You pretty much go without any organized pattern and you try a million things that work or don't work. Eventually, once you accomplish the first million, by then already you, know, you have kind of like a little pamphlet in your head, all the do's and don't do's. And from there, you can scale the business to 10 or 20 or 100 million dollars. But that first phase is kind of like where you build your intuition for your business. All those little, uh, I would say, unformed uh, moves in your business until you start forming strategies later on. Eric, what about you? Yeah, I'll keep mine brief. Um, so it's a lot of hand-to-hand -hand combat in the beginning. And you are, to Joseph's point, you're trying to figure things out as you go. And some people are like, yeah, you should focus. But I think in the beginning, you really are throwing spaghetti against the wall to see what sticks. And you're looking for something that's repeatable. And once you have that, um, then you start to really ramp it. But if you do the math on it, it's, it's 83K a month. And let's say you're running a services type of business. You have eight clients paying you 10 grand a month. Or you, know, you can chop up the numbers however you may. It's actually, you'll get there sooner than you think. And I actually do think some people do get, um, some people kind of fall into the first million. Which some people get fortunate, some people take longer. Um, and Stormy, you have a, a special circumstance because when you read Overstock, you weren't building it from scratch. You came okay. in, they were at 18 million. I mean, it's, it's, it's not, not impressive that you went from that to 2 billion while you were president there, but now you're starting again. Yeah. So you're living it. So, so Yosef, Yosef had an exit. Eric, is, is, he's already built things and it's running and it's good. You're starting from scratch. So when you started something, what's your take to market from zero to one? So it was very different as an entrepreneur. So I just want to say to all the entrepreneurs out there, even talking about as an entrepreneur, went through Overstock, did that whole thing all fancy. As an entrepreneur, I am sweating my ass off every day. It's a completely different game. So kudos to everyone out there that does it because zero to a million is some of the hardest pennies you will ever scrape together. I'm in it right now. I'm doing every single thing myself. And I think by getting that grit, your hands dirty, keeping them dirty, and knowing every step and every penny that that company's spending, 
um, is the only way to get to zero to a million, at least for me so far. So I'm at like $11,000 right now. Thank <laughs> it's huge to me. <laughs> and, and another thing, the most important thing when you're getting a company off the ground is to get your first few customers. So a combination of having a great product, let's assume we all have a great product, but sales, marketing, uh, is it reaching out to friends and family? Is it, like, what's the strategy to get your first, say, 150 customers so that you can prove out that whatever you're building has some semblance of product market fit? For me, um, I did a lot of market research before I entered into these rugs because it sounds really boring, but they're quite exciting. They're all machine washable. I know what percentage of the market is machine washable. I know more about rugs than I ever would have thought in my lifetime. I know about the backing, the weave, the machine, every single thing about it. I spent one year learning. I flew to Turkey. I understand everything about these rugs. And that's how I know that the market is ready for it. And I'm secure and confident. And if I go to investors, I'll be able to show them exactly what they need to hear as to why it is special. Um, if I hadn't done that, I would be less likely to take the risk 100%, knowing that there's daylight in the market is so helpful. Yeah, so for me, it's how do you create that no-brainer offer? And so, you know, for example, let's go back to services because we've grown our, the agency in an eight-figure business and it's like, okay, how do, but how do we start in the very beginning? It's, um, if, let's say I went to Yosef, I wanted a, you know, let's say he's operating BoxyCharm. And so instead of like every other agency out there, we're just like, oh, yo, Joseph, uh, can you buy our services? And we do X, Y, and Z, and here's a laundry list. It's like, hey, like we saw this, this, and this. Here's a video of it. And by the way, we'll do it for you for free. You don't need to pay anything, and we can talk about it later. That's a lot easier for him to reply to versus like what everyone else is saying. Um, so uh, it does go back to a lot of hand-to-hand -hand combat, though. Yeah, so selling makeup. Imagine, uh, I didn't know much about makeup when I started <laughs> selling makeup, but... I found out that in order for me to succeed wasn't doing a market research, which probably I should have. Uh, it was more try, fail, but fail very fast and just modify based on complaints that you get. I would get lots of complaints at first if people didn't like certain products and every time I started learning kind of like the space how to do it, for BoxyCharm at least, right? Um, the first clients are the most exciting ones, eventually uh, you find out that the first clients are not the first client that you actually wanted because we have to change our entire business concept. Uh, the iteration of BoxyCharm went about two times, but it was literally something that I took from a previous company. I opened two companies. The first company, I just learned search engine optimization, marketing, and all that. So I, I used all that knowledge to kind of create awareness. And what I did learn is that when you want to create a product market fit, you get to know when you hit the Mark, when, when people are excited over your product, once you, okay, that was it. Now that is a box that they're excited about. You kind of like get a perspective between, between the two. It's kind of like getting uh, a non-dairy, non-sugar ice cream versus sugar, dairy ice cream. You know what is the right ice cream. I don't need to tell, this is the right ice cream, right? It is the same with us, so we would modify ourselves based on what good is, and then we had perspective to move on. Okay, so now that's the one million, one to 10. So now we have to figure out how to scale up everything, probably bring in some really great people. Um, so whoever wants to take it away, building from one to 10, what are best practices, next steps? I can start. Um, you know, when you start to go to 10, 10 and up, it's a lot of it is, is operational, right? So, um, you know, working off entrepreneurial operating systems such as Traction, that, that's one, or you can use another one called Scaling Up. 
Um, but at least that's an operating system to run on your, your, your business on, right? So there's a weekly cadence, there's a quarterly cadence, there's an annual cadence, um, just so you can catch up and then set goals. Um, and then people talk a lot about culture, right? You know, when you're zero to one million, you don't think about culture. In fact, you think culture is stupid. At least I did, right? Culture is stupid. It's all about, uh, look, look at all the things I'm doing. And then you realize culture is everything. And then um, I'll, we'll talk about people after, because that's where the, that, that, here's the funny thing. Even at eight figures, even up to 100, 100 million plus, um, I, I did an event last week and we're just talking with, with a handful of uh, founders and we're like, you know, at the end of the day, forget all the tactics, forget all the marketing stuff. And it's just like, it's all about people. But then nobody wants to hear the talks about people, but like, it's all that matters. Yeah. Well, I mean, like if, if you, I think that what's going to increase the momentum of you getting to 10 million, 100 million plus is how quickly you adapt and, and, and internalize the idea of finding great people, finding a culture that works, and we can even define what culture is and what culture isn't, and then making sure that that's going to, you know, subsidize your skill sets, you know, elevate your growth. But, Joseph, when you're, when you're bringing to 10 million, you're bringing, you're bringing company to 10 million, um, what do you look for? Like, we spoke about operations, people are important, obviously. Um, what's your thing? So, for me, it was very simple, very similar to what Eric said. You want to increase your sales, increase your sales force, and it took me a while to understand that. I, I learned that, okay, I need to actually build a team that can be functional, and it was about the operation. It was about building uh, a small business size operation that can sustain the marketing, the input of, of requests, and then output of product. That was literally what, what it took, and it took me years to figure it out. Um, but once you do, you scale from one million to 10 million right away. It was about two, three years uh, to make it, but the transition took some time to actually get it in your head out to actually perform. And then let's talk about people who is the best person to bring into the organization at that level? Um, you want to go? I, I think that one to 10 million, or you know, when he talked about doing that in two to three years, so zero to one million is a grind, like you're like climbing up the hill, pushing the snowball up the hill. One to 10, you've got, you're gonna run, because of the quickness, you're catching speed, you're gonna be doubling. So you've got to think of that staff almost interchangeable. You know, even from the 20 mark when I entered Overstock, there were different needs at different times for different people, and you still don't have the luxury of having a big staff. You know, your money's going back in your business at that point. So it's very different to say who, it's hard to say who's the right position at the right time, because that's a moving target. Don't get attached to anybody. Your early grunt Front, the grinders, like the hustlers, getting your hands dirty in the beginning, they love that, but they may not be the ones to be your executives at five million, but they might be the ones that bled for you in the beginning and different skill sets. So it's tough to say. Could I add something real quick? So one thing that I found helpful, especially from one to 10 million, is uh, the concept of a task prioritization chart. So, you know, what am I doing that's $10 an hour, $100 an hour, $1,000 an hour, up to 100000 or a million dollars an hour? So that might be. M&A, right? Mm -hmm. But $10 an hour might be like me um, taking out the trash for Yosef, right? Um, so every quarter, what I used to try to do is um, try to delegate, create a new list of responsibilities, because that's what a job is, right? And try to delegate 15 to 20%. But, um, but I, I think the, the point is there's no, there's no one clear cut. Um, and, and, you, and you, obviously, you're taking on your highest value tasks as an entrepreneur Correct. founder, and everything else that is potentially a lower value task that isn't that, you know, that $100 per hour task, that's what you're finding somebody for. It could be gig economy, it could be hiring internal. And Yosef, I'll let you answer for, for people as well, but I also want to flip the script and understand when employees are starting to look for startup opportunities, 
and they're starting to go into companies, potentially what are some of the red flags they should look for that maybe founders are exhibiting where they shouldn't land there because that's not going to be helpful for their career? I think when you walk into an office, you can tell the vibe. That's the first thing. The second thing is you need to see if the company is growing. You're allowed to ask questions. You're interviewing the company the same way they interview you, and that's actually it's something I like to see from people because they know their worth. They're about to go and put the best hours in the day, the best years of their life in that company, and they want to make sure that there is a vision. And it's okay to interview whoever you speak to. What is the vision from the company? Do you have any pillars? What is the, the main goal for the company? It's important to ask those questions. And what about for hiring, hiring the right people? When you hire the right people, you'll get experience. I don't think those two minutes that we have are going to be enough to learn. But I think learn one thing. If they're not good, fire them faster than your competition. If you retain the the, the role. I want to take a second and thank Indeed. They're a huge sponsor of the Success Story podcast. And as business leaders, we're all driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. It's to match with Indeed. Now, if you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. You need to ditch the busy work. You need to use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster all the tools you need are in one spot. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of the show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash Clary. Just go to Indeed.com slash Clary right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash Clary. Terms and conditions apply. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. This episode is brought to you by NetSuite. Now, as a business owner, I always remember when my company hits a growth spurt. It's great, but then you realize that things start to break. Things are taking three times as long. Manual processes start to bury your team in paperwork and admin, and you really don't have one reliable source of data or truth to understand how healthy your business is. If this sounds familiar, you have to know three numbers. 37,000, that's how many businesses have upgraded to NetSuite, the number one cloud financial system. 25, NetSuite turns 25 this year. That's 25 years streamlining accounting, inventory, HR, and more for growing companies. And one, because your business truly is one of a kind, NetSuite gives you customized solutions so you can manage everything about your business in one place, from inventory to invoicing, one powerfully efficient system. I love having all of my data in one spot NetSuite allows me to do that. It gives me the big picture so I can make smarter decisions. And they turn complex financials into understandable, actionable insights. Right now, you can get NetSuite's popular KPI checklist for free to help improve your business. It's designed to help you boost performance across key areas of your business. Go to netsuite.com slash Clary to download the checklist and see how one complete system can transform your growth. That's netsuite.com slash Scott Clary. Get more control in your business with NetSuite. Just a quick question. Have you ever had one of those oh no moments when you realize that you accidentally deleted a huge file or worse, your whole computer dies? I know I have. It's happened to me a lot, but don't sweat it. The sponsor of today's episode, Backblaze, they have your back. It is unlimited backups for all your Macs, your PCs, 
or even your whole company, and it's really affordable, under 100 bucks a year. If you're running a business, they take the stress out of protecting everyone's data. If you need more bells and whistles for compliance, so on and so forth, they have enterprise options too. Honestly, losing data sucks, but Backblaze makes getting it back easy. They have restored billions of files. They offer tons of restore options, including rapid recovery in an event of data loss or ransomware. And you can access your backed up data from everywhere and anywhere in the world using their web app, iOS, or Android apps. It's been recommended by the New York Times, Inc., Macworld, PC World, LifeWire, Wired, Tom's Guide, 9to5Mac, and tons more. And best, you can try it fully featured with no risk at backblaze.com slash story. They set up that link for all Success Story podcast listeners. That is a no risk free trial at backblaze.com slash story. Seriously, back up your stuff. I don't know about you, but the idea of being harassed, scammed, or even worse, all because somebody found my personal information online, that's terrifying. Our political opinions, our addresses, even stuff about our families, it's out there for anyone to grab. And did you know that data brokers are allowed to sell information on over 98% of Americans? It's scary stuff. That's why I've partnered with Delete Me. I personally use Delete Me. They're a big friend of the podcast because I put myself out there online. So safety is a huge concern. It's really scary how easy it is to find someone's details and information. But Delete Me creates a layer of protection that we all need. You tell Delete Me what you want gone and they make it disappear from those sketchy data broker sites. And Delete Me doesn't stop. They constantly monitor the web to keep your information off those lists. It's like having a privacy watchdog that never sleeps. You need to take control of your data and keep your private life private by signing up for Delete Me. They're giving a special discount for all success story podcast listeners. Get 20% off your Delete Me plan when you go to joindeletemecom slash success and use promo code success at checkout. The only way to get 20% off is to go to joindeleteme.com slash success and enter code success at checkout. J-O-I-N-D-E-L-E-T-E-M-E dot com slash success. Hey everyone, I just want to take a second and thank the sponsor of today's episode, Heaven Hill Bottled and Bond Bourbon. Now I don't have a lot of liquor sponsors on this show. Heaven Hill Bottled and Bond is actually one of my favorites. I've drank it for a few years now, and this is why we actually decided to work together. Heaven Hill Distillery, family-owned since 1935, is a great entrepreneur story, too. So there's five brothers. They filled their first whiskey barrels back in 1935, and their legacy still lives on today. Heaven Hill Bottled and Bond is aged over seven years. That's three more than required by the Bottled and Bond Act of 1897. This means the best quality, the best purity, and the best consistency. This is not just average bourbon. It's the winner of the double gold medals at multiple 2023 World Spirits competitions, and they've won the very prestigious Triple Still Award. It's a very big deal in the liquor and bourbon world. Heaven Hill Bottled and Bond boasts an exceptionally smooth oak flavor, while its aroma offers a sweet blend of caramel and smooth vanilla. If you love bourbon, you need to try Heaven Hill Bottled and Bond. Available nationally, look for a bottle at your local store. Heaven Hill reminds you to think wisely, drink wisely. Long people in your organization longer than your competition, then you're going to lose. So make sure you do it faster. In time, you're going to learn what's good. You'll have perspective. Okay, so now we're scaling from 10 to 100. And then we're going through these very quickly. We, we only we have a whole bunch of questions. I thought we were just going to do the, the 0 to 1, 1 to 10, 10 to 100, but we have some time. So I'll go through some other stuff after. So lessons from 10 to 100. So now we're truly scaling up. We have operations, we know what works, we know what doesn't. So what do we think of? In my case, uh, everything was the same from, say, 
10 to 50 million, but it was more from 50 to 500 million. That is a completely different Showing organization. <laughs> well, I'm telling you, uh, yeah, I mean, I am showing off. We did 500 million in sales. So uh, the, the reason it was different, it's because there was almost the same amount of employees when we were 10 million to 50 million. It was a completely different organization from, from 50 to 500. We had to hire many more people. We had to have offices all over the world. We had to have uh, a location, a fulfillment location that we built that the size of 12 football fields. It was just completely different. It's an enterprise. And you have to get uh, uncomfortable to rebuild your business all over again. And you have to find the right people, touching what you said. You want to bring a person that has been in a business that has transformed from, say, 10, 20 million to a billion. Person that have seen the transformation is a person that you want to be next to you that can tell you this is the time when you actually change it up. This is what you do now. So once you find that person, it's a lot easier for you to hire corporate people with experience of a startup as well. Okay, good. So uh, Eric, from 10 to 100. Yeah, so you know, interesting. When we're in the, the speaker's lounge a little bit ago, um, we were talking to a friend and uh, you know, he bootstrapped his company, right? And um, you know, now it's doing nine figures a year. And the playbook literally that I, I talked to you guys about is, is hiring people that have been there, done that. Um, and here's the thing, like, you know, when I talk to a lot of people that, that have done that, it's like, no, it's still a crapshoot, right? It's still, you're still lucky if you're 50-50, if you, if you get 50% of them right. And so, um, like I mentioned earlier, it's all about people, right? And then when you, when you hear like a Yosef or anybody that's taken a company to a billion plus or so, they just talk about people and culture and you hear the same thing, but it's just not as sexy to hear anymore. But literally that's what it is. And here's the thing. You, if you're the, you're the CEO, you're the founder, you're the best recruiter. And so like, you know, a lot of the irons that I have in, in, the, in the fire right now, like these are people that you're going to pay um, four or five hundred, six hundred, seven hundred thousand a year and then add on bonuses on top. Like here's the thing, when you're paying this, people this much, actually at the end of the day, you find that the quality does get better. Um, at least that's what I found. So. Stormy. One would hope. Yeah, I would hope so too. <laughs> if you get six hundred thousand a year, you better do a dang good job. Um, what was the, oh, 10 to 100 10 million. To 100. Outrageous growth. Like I would, I would think during that time for me at Overstock, there was so much focus on the details, on the dollars that you're spending. Like I can't stress that enough. Those pennies, when you're at a hundred million and you can tweak something out of your customer service cost, that slight percentage, you'd be surprised at the payoff that gets. And those were some of the wins um, that I was able to do in our early days. Was just find that little piece that you might turn the knob a little and bring in just a couple pennies per motion, per transaction, whatever it is. But those start adding up at 100 million. So in addition to finding your people, your operations that you're setting up now become extremely important. Those things you were like, oh yeah, David does that. Out in the warehouse, David does it. You better go get up in David's stuff. What exactly is David doing? Because before, you know, when he's doing the job of five people because the business isn't there and then all of a sudden, it's worthy. It happens quick. And uh, those pennies, I'm telling you, I did half my success stories were literally digging in an Excel spreadsheet and going, there it is. If I tweak that, a bunch of stuff in the whole system will come out. And that system starts getting big at 100 million, bigger at 500 million. Founders can't look at everything at that time. So setting those operations tight focused, making sure that every step is the one you want to take, the shortcut, not the extra employee, not that this guy needs a job, your shortcut. Because the other thing that happens is you have to get cutthroat with those same people. But um, 
That's an exciting time. You hit 100 million, that's the happiest thing ever. 10 million's the best, but 100 million is some good times. So say we go into a few different business topics and I wanna, so I'm gonna go into marketing and sales, I'm gonna go into people, I'm gonna go into biz ops, and then I wanna pull out some trending topics in each and just get your opinion on, on these items, okay? So for marketing and sales, I wanna go a step further than social, I wanna go into community. I wanted to I want to go into community building because I think Darmesh was speaking about community the other day. It's a very trending concept, but I think it's a, very hard for somebody who's in a marketing organization to figure out how to build it properly. So what does community really mean? How does it go a step further from, from social media? And why is it so important for your business? How do you build it? How do you leverage it? So a community is a group of people with the same interest in the same space, activating together. That's how we formed our community. That's how we decided to look at this. There was a way where we said, okay, we have a community, but it's coming organic. Can we actually engineer it? So the space, mostly today you'll see it in, um, in Discord groups. You can find Facebook, Facebook groups, that's the digital space. And then the next phase for that is gonna be, let's do meetups. So once you do it, you have to think that it, in a community, in order for the community to be passionate, it needs to be not how many people are there, it's how passionate the people are there. I much rather have a group of 50,000 super advocate that don't stop talking about my company versus six million that knows about me. So that's a community. How did you, how did you build yours for BoxyCharm? Uh, I was breaking my back for many years. What, what, what I did was in 2017, I found out that uh, there are Facebook groups and they talk about BoxyCharm every month. So I joined them and I told them I'm the founder. I'll let you know before anyone else what's going to be next month in a box. Everyone wanted to join those forums and I ended up supporting them also on our channels. But what I ended up doing was I would join those forums and let them know that anyone that would open and organically their own fan page on Instagram or Facebook group, I will do live with them. I will help them build their community. And every month, about three times a month, I would jump into those communities and it was a big event for them because there was some information drop about next month and they're always the first to know and someone would always go viral. And I would always make sure that their activation would be go search for BoxyCharm at that time. I would tell them tomorrow at 3 p.m. I will let you know somewhere what's going to be in a box. So at 3 p.m. Eastern time, everyone would search BoxyCharm. You would have about 300,000 people searching BoxyCharm and we would trend. You would literally go on Google, uh, Google Trend and you would see within the hour the spike for BoxyCharm and anyone that would say anything about the company would go viral, which would create uh, a halo effect because people said, well, every time I talk about Boxy, I go viral. So people kept talking about BoxyCharm and that created kind of like a, a halo effect oversharing the community itself. Good, okay, Eric. Um, to me, community is a, it's a retention mechanism. Um, who here actually owns an NFT? Show of hands. Does anyone own an NFT? Okay, one person. One person. <laughs> okay, <laughs> wrong so, conference. <laughs> let, let me give you an example. Um, so I, we, we launched an NFT project uh, maybe a month ago or so, and um, here, here's how you break it down. It's, it's product-led growth, but for NFTs, right? It's, it's, so we, we launched a free NFT, and um, you know our Discord went to 8,000 people, right? So imagine launching something, people want to keep it, and then um, now we have a vibrant Discord with 8,000 people that are engaging, and the way I look at it is, if you're trying to keep people, the name of the game is retention, right? I think a lot of us are here are, are in subscription, right? And if we want to keep people here, people buy your product, but what happens at the end of the day is they actually end up staying for the community, which is actually what happened with uh, with BoxyCharm. So that's how I look at it. I think um, if you want to, you know, extend, you want 
good net dollar retention or whatever it is, um, you have strong community. Stormy? Well, your commu communities are interesting right now, right? Because we start on social media, then we all found each other, and then we can hashtag to find each other. So it's like we can participate as consumers in all the communities that we want. So for, like, you know, mother ruggers, how am I going to build a community? Well, first of all, you have to be a mother rugger, which I can tell you guys are. You know, these are rugs that you live on, live with. How do you build a personality for a rug? I'm actually struggling with this right now, but we're starting to find our stride. Like, how do we do it? Well, we'll probably NFT these babies. Like, we have really cool ideas, but the community for something like, you know, I don't have a subscription box, um, is trying to create a brand and get people interested. And once they're interested, they can learn about how we make them and why it's good and how, you know, mindful we are of the universe and what we're actually doing. Um, and that's where I'm coming from is like to build something of value that attracts the people versus go to the people first. And it's, I think it's finding those people and, and continuing mm -hmm. to serve them, right? Yeah, you're it's serving going, them. I mean, hashtag ruggables, that's where I'm going. 100%. Yeah, that's, you know, that's, that's where you go. So you find those people that are engaging in other like-minded places and make yourself known. Let's you know? move on to people. So we, we already spoke about hiring, finding the right people, different people for different stages of business. One thing again, a buzzword, culture. And I think it's confused and I think people don't really understand what it is and what it isn't. So what is culture? What isn't it? And how can you use it, leverage it? Because Eric, even you mentioned that's one of the most important things that's overlooked, especially when you're starting out. Um, how do we use it to improve our business? I can go. Um, so, you know, early days when you talk about culture, it's like, oh, what are your mission? What are your vision? What are your values? So um, core thing is the core values, right? Everyone talks about those, but like really don't just, early days, at least what I did was I just copied core values that sounded good. So I might just go co copy BoxyCharm or Overstock. And uh, that doesn't work because those aren't true to you, but those are what you hire and fire on. So Joe's, Joe talks about hiring slow, firing fast, right? But if you, have, you need an operating system for that. Um, and culture really to me at the end of the day is what people are talking about when nobody else is in the room and how people are acting at the same time. Well, I think that culture built over time within your organization. And uh, if you want to build a good culture, start by make sure you don't hire assholes. That's the easiest part, and from there things will fall into place. Well, how do you know they're there? Unless they're you, you fire them fast. <laughs> you fire them fast. No, because I, I, no matter how good you are, if you treat other people horrible in the organization, there is a debt. There is a culture debt that's going to come and hunt you. So I'm not. If you're a rock star and you're just sitting in front of a computer, you happen to be an asshole, but there's no one else. Fine. But if you work in a group, a group would always outshine one individual. So it is very important to first nick those out and make sure that you have a good, uh, a good balance. And then eventually, if, if the company has, okay, I think this is important to say, okay, this is nothing political, but what it is is I found that when you bring a group of people from different diversities, that particular group would outperform a particular group that they all look the same. So, and the reason is you can appeal for consumers from different backgrounds. So if you can have... Uh, let's just say an Asian, Hispanic, Israeli like me, something like this, all sitting in the same group. I represent Israelis. I know how they're going to buy. You can, you can represent Asians. We can attract a much better group of, uh, of buyers instead of just Asians, for example. You would only attract them because you happen to hire, hire only people like you and you're just having a, a culture of just Asians. And then no one else is going to feel comfortable going over there. So kind of like diversify. Make sure that no one puts everybody uh, that are just 
from the same school or so on. There's only people from my school, world friends, or my neighborhood, or my area. Anyone that loves football is going to be in my team. This is not going to work. You want to make sure that it is comfortable for everybody to be in that place. And then eventually, if you hire the right people that have the technical skills, the company would grow, and that's going to be a good vibe, and people would be happy. I remember when culture meant you just got a ping pong table. It's like, oh, we have ping pong. We serve lattes on Friday and beer on Thursday. And everybody's like, oh, my God, it's the best place ever. And those were the early dot-com days. But now the millennials are teaching us lessons. They dictate what our culture is going to be. It's going to be independent. You know, I noticed this big shift of actually the workers coming and letting you know what they're willing to do. That's a great culture. When you have employees that come in and say, you know what, I'm really good at this and I'm willing to do this and I do it so well and I'm going to bank on that, that's a good culture. You know, what we found was creating the environment where people got to be themselves. I had a rule that if you gossiped about someone, you got fired, even if it was true. Don't talk about your coworkers. Have the respect. It doesn't matter what background they come from. When you show up to work, you have a common goal. And there would be nothing where someone wouldn't be able to be themselves because that's the unique thing of every employee you have, like Yosef was saying, that culturally different group. If you suppress ideas or ideas aren't good, it's scary to raise your hand in your group. That's a bad culture. You know, you don't need a ping pong table. You need people motivated and happy. They'll work. I'll work for less if I'm happy every day. If I can walk in and be motivated and like, hey, I'm so happy to see you or, hey, I had a really bad day or, hey, I'm late today and not have that fear of, why are you late? What did you do? You know, those, those over-management moments. Um, I found really opened up, you know, uh, a more uh, tenured um, employee status. Like, all kinds of things changed with just saying, you know what, you can be late. Like, we trust you. We trust you. That's the first step. If you don't trust them, fire them fast. And also the last thing is, I think it's very important, and then we'll wrap up for today, but I think it's good if your employees build the culture with you and everybody in the organization takes part. But anyways, I just want to wrap this up. I want to say thank you to Stormy, Eric, Yosef. I want to, I'm going to drop their social, so at Stormy Simon, at Eric Osu, uh, and at YFL Martin, if you want to go follow them. And if you love this type of content, successstorypodcast.com. I appreciate all of you for coming today. I hope you got a lot out of this. Give a round of applause to these incredible business leaders. Thank you, Scott. Thank you so much for coming Thank on. Thank you, guys. guys. I want to take a second and thank Indeed. They're a huge sponsor of the Success Story podcast. And as business leaders, we're all driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. It's to match with Indeed. Now, if you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. You need to ditch the busy work. You need to use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster, all the tools you need are in one spot. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent 
fast. And listeners of the show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash Clary. Just go to Indeed.com slash Clary right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash Clary. Terms and conditions apply. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. This episode is brought to you by NetSuite. Now, as a business owner, I always remember when my company hits a growth spurt. It's great, but then you realize that things start to break. Things are taking three times as long. Manual processes start to bury your team in paperwork and admin, and you really don't have one reliable source of data or truth to understand how healthy your business is. If this sounds familiar, you have to know three numbers. 37,000, that's how many businesses have upgraded to NetSuite, the number one cloud financial system. 25, NetSuite turns 25 this year. That's 25 years streamlining accounting, inventory, HR, and more for growing companies. And one, because your business truly is one of a kind, NetSuite gives you customized solutions so you can manage everything about your business in one place, from inventory to invoicing, one powerfully efficient system. I love having all of my data in one spot. NetSuite allows me to do that. It gives me the big picture so I can make smarter decisions. And they turn complex financials into understandable actionable insights. Right now you can get NetSuite's popular KPI checklist for free to help improve your business. It's designed to help you boost performance across key areas of your business. Go to netsuite.com slash Clary to download the checklist and see how one complete system can transform your growth. That's netsuite.com slash Clary. Get more control in your business with NetSuite. Just a quick question. Have you ever had one of those oh no moments when you realize that you accidentally deleted a huge file or worse, your whole computer dies? I know I have. It's happened to me a lot, but don't sweat it. The sponsor of today's episode, Backblaze, they have your back. It is unlimited backups for all your Macs, your PCs, or even your whole company. And it's really affordable, under a hundred bucks a year. If you're running a business, they take the stress out of protecting everyone's data. If you need more bells and whistles for compliance, so on and so forth, they have enterprise options too. Honestly, losing data sucks, but Backblaze makes getting it back easy. They have restored billions of files. They offer tons of restore options, including rapid recovery in an event of data loss or ransomware. And you can access your backed up data from everywhere and anywhere in the world using their web app, iOS, or Android apps. It's been recommended by the New York Times, Inc., Macworld, PC World, LifeWire, Wired, Tom's Guide, 9to5Mac, and tons more. And best, you can try it fully featured with no risk at backblaze.com story. They set up that link for all Success Story podcast listeners. That is a no-risk free trial at backblaze.com slash story. Seriously, back up your stuff. I don't know about you, but the idea of being harassed, scammed, or even worse, all because somebody found my personal information online, that's terrifying. Our political opinions, our addresses, even stuff about our families, it's out there for anyone to grab. And did you know that data brokers are allowed to sell information on over 98% of Americans? It's scary stuff. That's why I've partnered with Delete Me. I personally use Delete Me. They're a big friend of the podcast because I put myself out there online. So safety is a huge concern. 
learned it's really scary how easy it is to find someone's details and information, but Delete Me creates a layer of protection that we all need. You tell Delete Me what you want gone and they make it disappear from those sketchy data broker sites. And Delete Me doesn't stop. They constantly monitor the web to keep your information off those lists. It's like having a privacy watchdog that never sleeps. You need to take control of your data and keep your private life private by signing up for Delete Me. They're giving a special discount for all Success Story podcast listeners. Get 20% off your Delete Me plan when you go to joindeleteme.com slash success and use promo code success at checkout. The only way to get 20% off is to go to joindeleteme.com slash success and enter code success at checkout. J-O-I-N-D-E-L-E-T-E-M-E dot com slash success. Hey everyone, I just want to take a second and thank the sponsor of today's episode, Heaven Hill Bottled and Bond Bourbon. Now I don't have a lot of liquor sponsors on this show. Heaven Hill Bottled and Bond is actually one of my favorites. I've drank it for a few years now and this is why we actually decided to work together. Heaven Hill Distillery, family owned since 1935, is a great entrepreneur story too. So there's five brothers, they filled their first whiskey barrels back in 1935, and their legacy still lives on today. Heaven Hill Bottled and Bond is aged over seven years. That's three more than required by the Bottled and Bond Act of 1897. This means the best quality, the best purity, and the best consistency. This is not just average bourbon. It's the winner of the double gold medals at multiple 2023 World Spirits competitions, and they've won the very prestigious Triple Still Award. It's a very big deal in the liquor and bourbon world. Heaven Hill Bottled and Bond boasts an exceptionally smooth oak flavor, while its aroma offers a sweet blend of caramel and smooth vanilla. If you love bourbon, you need to try Heaven Hill Bottled and Bond. Available nationally, look for a bottle at your local store. Heaven Hill reminds you to think wisely, drink wisely. 